Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 6, the most awesome podcast from space. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your co-host today, along with Dan Hewitt. Dan, what's up? Hey, Gary. Today's episode was a little different because we had a conversation with Jack Fisher, a U.S. astronaut, while he was in space. And we did the whole thing live, so we brought in some social media questions real time, and Jack was answering them. That's right. It was a wicked awesome discussion about what it's like to live in space, work on science experiments, and see the Earth below while you're traveling at 17,500 miles per hour, watching the sun rise and set 16 times a day. Such a unique perspective of the planet. So, with no further delay, let's go light speed and jump right ahead to our talk with Colonel Jack Fisher. Enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit light search for the red. There she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Real good to be back. I was on the first episode, and I'm not the expert. We are talking to the expert in space today. It's super <laughs> exciting. And again, just wrap your mind about around that. We're about to talk to somebody in outer space. I, I mean, yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, we're looking at him right now, getting set up. This is crazy. I mean, for for me, this personally, this is my very first time talking to somebody in space. That's right. Gary's newer here, so he hasn't <laughs> had the privilege. I've been here a little bit longer, and I've done it maybe once or twice still. But it's oh, still, cool. it's really exciting. It makes you a little bit nervous, but it's really cool to live in a time where we have the capabilities to talk to somebody who's in outer space where who's flying around possible. us right. at 17,000 miles an hour. I mean, one of the coolest examples I can think of that happening, and it shows you just how far we've come. I mean, it used to be you needed satellite dishes and technology and that weighed millions of pounds, all these things just to talk to somebody, you know, a few hundred miles away, and now, you can talk to somebody in space on a cell phone. That actually happened to us once. <laughs> we were over in Kazakhstan and we had just watched one of the crews launch to the International Space Station. And it had been a couple of hours, so they were almost docked and we were heading to an old theater in Baikonur to go watch the actual docking and the crew members get there. And one of my colleagues' phones rang and he answered it and you could just see his face light up. And he, it was just a real short conversation. Oh yeah, no, that sounds great. Sounds cool. Yeah, we'll definitely use that. That was it. He hung yeah. up and he said, that was the commander of the International Space Station. <laughs> he just called me on my cell phone to tell me how he was setting up a camera to watch the crew members come on board. So, I mean, just that like blew my mind because we were just in this remote part of the planet and you can get a phone call from somebody in space. Like, it's yeah. just so incredible that we're living in this time and we're about to talk to somebody in space. And if you can't tell, I'm really excited. <laughs> and I know Gary is too. Yeah, very, very true. It's just crazy. You could pick up a box and then literally it is, it yeah. is space calling. I've yes. heard stories of all kinds, you know, astronauts calling pizza joints and ordering pizza for a colleague whose birthday it was or something like that. It's just, that's, it's the most insane thing to think about. But, okay, so today we're talking with somebody in space, Jack Fisher. Let's yes. talk a little bit about him. Who is this guy? So Jack Fisher is one of the flight engineers for Expedition 52. He's been on board the International Space Station since April when he launched with the Russian cosmonaut Fyodor Yurchikin. Jack is one of the relatively newer astronauts in the Corps. He was selected back in 2009, and this is his first space flight. So this is his first time in space, and he's been up there for a couple of months now. 
He's got a STEM background like all of the astronauts do, degrees in aeronautical engineering and aeronautics and astronautics, a lot of A words in there. <laughs> and he went to MIT, so he's got a, a pretty nice resume to make him an astronaut. But he was also in the Air Force. He's an Air Force colonel with 3,000 flight hours, more than 45 different aircraft. And he worked in a whole bunch of different jobs before he ever flew into space. And all the astronauts do that. They, I, they're either supporting different technical programs here at NASA. Jack was a Capcom, so he was one of the people who actually talks to astronauts every single day. Oh, wow. So, you know, for people like them talking to somebody in space, it's their job. It's kind of, you know, it's old hat. And for us, it's super unique. But he's done all of those things, and now he's been on board for the last couple of months. And, and he's been doing everything from spacewalking to science to capturing, visiting spacecraft, kind of the whole gamut of stuff. Unbelievable. Okay, so he's, he's you know, now he's got that experience, right? He's got not only the, the flight time just in planes, but now he's got flight time, you know, traveling 250 miles above the Earth really, yeah. really fast. So um, he's got, so how were his uh, spacewalks? What's that? Yeah, so he did two spacewalks, and every astronaut will tell you that spacewalks are one of the most unique, one of the most dynamic things they get to do. It's oh, kind cool. of one of the coolest things about being in space a lot of times. And he did two back in May. One, they just replaced a, a component on the outside, and the other one was something we called an unplanned spacewalk, where Ooh. something broke, and they had to go outside and replace it. And so he did both of those with Peggy Whitson, who's been up there with him the whole time. He affectionately refers to her as the space ninja. She is the <laughs> all-time record holder for American astronauts for time in space, so definitely a good person to have up there with you for on sure. your first trip. <laughs> awesome. Well, okay, so we are going to be talking to Jack Fisher here in just a few minutes. If you are tuning in on Facebook Live, we are actually monitoring the questions right here and going to answer them as they uh, come along, maybe even send a couple uh, up to Jack once we get started here. So we have a couple coming in already. We have folks checking in from all over the world. Uh, I see some from Italy. I see some from obviously here in the States. So everyone, welcome. Uh, I did see one question actually before we even started this one. This one is from Kelly, and she said her five-year-old was asking if some of the astronauts watch movies on the International they Space do. Station. They do. We do like to equip them with some of the, the kind of creature comforts of being back here at, at home. Cool. And one thing they have up there is they actually have a, a very small projector and then a large screen. I think it's about 40 inches or so. Mm -hmm. And they'll have movie nights. And we actually, we do have a picture. And this oh, is all six crew members. They use bungee cords to kind of make little lean-to hammocks and even breaking out their sleeping bags to get, to gather together and watch movies in space. <laughs> a lot of them will tell you they like to watch a lot of space movies just because, I mean, they're up there, they're, they're living it, but sure. it's, it's just one of those things that kind of makes living in space a little bit more like being back here at home. Because, I mean, you're in a really strange place. It's true. And you're completely isolated from so from everybody except for the two or five people with you. So having things like movies can make that time a lot easier. And it seems like camaraderie has got to be one of the more important aspects yeah. of living in space, too. Just getting along with your crewmates and doing stuff together. I know, I guess they watch movies together, as we just saw in that picture, yeah. but I know they eat meals together, too. Oh, yeah, they do. And they're together for years before they ever fly. They'll mm -hmm. usually be with the, you'll be with the same people pretty much throughout all of your work time for two years before you ever fly in space with them. So they know each other very well before they fly. Mm -hmm. Meals are definitely one of those things. So it's an international space station. So there's a lot of international foods. So they like to come together and share little creations. The food's not 
quite as gourmet as it might be down here on Earth, but they do have a couple of ways to make it a little bit more interesting. And uh, they like to put hot sauces and things like that on a ton of stuff just mm. because your, your taste actually changes when you're in space. And that's due to all the fluids rushing up and a whole bunch of crazy things happen. But wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you have any more questions for Jack, just put them in the comment section. We'll kind of uh, follow along and even um, he's he's getting set up here right now. But once we start uh, connect with him in just a few minutes here, uh, we'll read those questions up to him. Um, but th personally, for me, I mean, besides just you reading his bio, this is the first time I've met Jack. I'm the first time I'm actually going to yeah. be talking to him. So Jack, highly recommend following him on social media <laughs> he's brought just an incredible amount of excitement yeah. to everything that he's been doing and again he's a first timer so he's been experiencing all of this for the first time and sharing it with people as he did i actually got to meet jack uh three years three years ago uh, we were both down in florida for orion's first space flight uh, eft1 it was the first time we put orion our next generation spacecraft into outer space and he was basically assigned to be our voice and our for the entire agency so we went around talking to media all of these different people to yeah. tell them about orion and again he just brings like this level of enthusiasm he's got a great sense of humor he's incredibly knowledgeable so he's going to be really great for this the most awesome podcast from space today <laughs> so i'm super excited absolutely appropriately named too that's what we're going to be calling this episode so we'll talk to him right now this will be our, our live episode that we're doing here uh you'll be able to interact with us live but then it'll be available on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and NASA.gov, the recorded audio version um, uh, after this. I guess tomorrow we'll post it. So uh, there'll be a full transcript with that as well. All so right, right now... So uh, we're 20 seconds away. Oh, okay. We're about 20 <laughs> seconds away. Gary, are you ready? Are you I, ready to talk to space for the very I, first time? I think so. I think so. Are you yeah. ready? Okay, everybody, <laughs> let's get ready for Gary. This can be a little nerve-wracking, I assure you, but <laughs> just a couple of seconds. Okay, so we'll wait for the call from uh, Mission Control Houston here and uh, start talking to Jack soon. Station, this is Houston. Are you ready for the event? I sure am. JSC PAO, this is Mission Control Houston. Please call station for a voice check. Station, this is Gary Jordan and Dan Hewitt here for Houston. We have a podcast. How do you hear me? Loud and clear. Gary and Dan, great to be with you today. Awesome. Well, I am extremely excited about this uh, episode because uh, as I was telling Dan here uh, beforehand, you know, this is usually when we have a guest, uh, they're on the, in the studio, let alone on the planet. So I'm going to start off this conversation by asking something that I literally cannot ask anyone else. How's life in space today? <laughs> it's awesome. Like it is every day. And what I was going to do, just because, you know, it is your first guest from space, every single question, I'm going to go on a different, you know, wall. So I'll be on the <laughs> walls. I'll be on the ceiling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adjust orientation mid-interview at every question just because I can, and it's cool. I love it. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So, so you're used to space now. You've been up there for, what is it, almost four months. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're going to be switching from wall to wall, do you sort of get disoriented, or is your body used to it at this point? 
Nah, it, it kind of figured it out pretty quick. And, you know, that's what's so awesome about the human brain. We come up here in a completely foreign environment, and the brain's just like, man, all this vestibular, all these things that I normally use to figure out which way's up and to orient this body for this dude doesn't work. So I have to find a different way. And, and it forces your, your mind and your body to grow and to look at things differently. So you start looking three-dimensionally at everything around you. And, and it's amazing how quickly your body can adapt and just get used to it. All right, that was question one. I got to switch now. <laughs> All right. Well, why you do that, I mean, that just kind of leads into what is difficult to get used to when you get up there? Because, I mean, it's a completely alien environment from what we grow up and you spend your entire life experiencing. What's tough about it? Absolutely. And, you know, it, it totally depends on the person. And we can't really predict, uh, even depending on your background. I, I come from a test pilot background and, you know, can do things in an airplane that would make a billy goat puke. But... That doesn't mean that when I get up here, I'm going to be any better than a, a scientist who's never been in a plane. Um, it's, it's not a good predictor. I was lucky, and when I got up here, I didn't have congestion or, or upset stomach or you know any of those, those big problems that some people deal with. But everybody has to learn how to fly. And so as a test pilot, I was probably worse than most because... You know, most people find a way to, you know, translate and fly from point to point and, and just be happy with it. But for me, every day I got to try something new. So I would really suck at it and run into stuff and hit myself into things. And, and that wasn't good. But then I'd get better. And then I'd try something more or I'd try going faster. And it was like this cycle. So now I, I, I'm doing pretty good, but uh, it, was, it was a long and bumpy road, and, and don't ask Peggy how many things I knocked off the wall. Oh, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier. So you got Peggy Whitson up there, the space ninja, as you like to call her. I mean, are there any crazy moves that you've broken out that she's looked at you and said, Jack, no, stop, don't do that again? Oh my gosh, so many times. She has a patented look. It's the G two fish, you are crazy look. And I've I, I pretty much got that down. When I get the Peggy Whitson two fish, you're crazy look, then I know, okay, that one I, that one I got to stop. So, I mean, what have you learned? I mean, now you've been in space with Peggy Whitson for this long. What have you learned from her that you sort of uh, take with you? And then, you know, I guess kind of off of that, what have you learned that uh, really sort of annoys her that you really like to do? <laughs> well, we, we, we're like two peas in a pod. We, we awesome. give each other a hard time all the time, so uh, we tease each other a bunch. We have a good time. But I'm very... I, I just can't even say how lucky I am to have been on orbit with not only Peggy, but also Fyodor Yurchikin, my commander and, and, and friend in the, in the Soyuz and the commander of the station now. Those two have so much experience that I learn everything from them. They, you know, not just the big stuff of how to organize your day and how to be efficient and those type of things, but even the little stuff. And I, I, every time they're around, my eyes are wide open. You know, how is 
Peggy cutting her food packet because it's probably the best way because she's done it quite a few times. So, you know, how is Fyodor holding his camera? What what settings is he using for this task? It It's to just watch them and just soak that in. Gosh, I am so lucky to have been up here with these two and just soak in all their goodness and knowledge. And yet you've been working side by side with them for the last couple of months. Just walk us through real quick. What's just, you know, some of the stuff you're doing up there? Because it's a lot more than just flying and stuff like that. You're doing, you know, serious experiment work up there. Oh, absolutely. The, the space station is just the most amazing world-class laboratory floating around doing science all day, every day. We're doing science inside. We're doing science outside. Let me turn this off real quick. I got to, we're getting an echo, so I don't want you to hear me twice. That's way too much. <laughs> so the, the space station, for example, when SpaceX 11 came up, it had six tons of science, mostly science on board, that then we had to bring on board, knock out that science, get it back on the SpaceX and back to Earth. That's the job of this place is just rocking the science. Uh, we're doing not only stuff for human health and, and those type of sciences. Uh, there was a great experiment that uh, Peggy was working on the other day with a new drug that actually finds targets uh, cancer cells. We're growing lung cancer tissue and it was doing some great work against the cancer. How cool would that be if we could crack the code of that horrible disease that you know even my daughter uh, fell prey to. So not just those, we're, we're looking uh, just 10 feet from me is a machine called the ELF that's looking at new ways to create alloys that are lighter, that are stronger. I mean, this whole place, every square inch is dedicated to either pure science or the systems that are, that are going to keep us and those science experiments cranking away and getting great results back to Earth to, to help humanity, to make humanity better, and to enable us to explore and go further into the universe. That sounds inc incredible. Um, I'm sure, I mean, besides all the science, you have a lot of, uh, I guess, I don't know about a lot of chances, but you do have the chance to sort of look out the window and see the Earth go by. So we do have a Facebook question from uh, Wissal. How do we look from orbit? I don't know if you're, whenever you're taking pictures of the Earth, I don't know if you can zoom down and actually get so close that you can start to see people, or are you that far up? Well, we're pretty far up. If we had a bigger, uh, you know, lens, we could probably see you. But the bigger the lens, the smoother you have to be. Fyodor could probably do it. I can't do it. So the biggest um, that I've been using is an 800 millimeter lens. And we can get about to houses and see houses. So that's about as fine detail as what we can see. So we're not looking in your window and, and spying on you, I promise. <laughs> Well, that's good to know, but I'm sure, I mean, you see, you're traveling so fast around the Earth, you get to see so much of it. Is there any sort of places on Earth that really stand out to you that you really like to either gaze at or kind of take pictures of? Because you see so much of it in a short period of time. You bet. There are places that, you know, kind of blew me away for sure the first time I saw them. The Bahamas are just, the blue is just ridiculous. I don't even know 
it, it, it's hard to believe it's real. Uh, one of Fyodor's favorite places is Kamchatka, which is kind of a little flange off the top end of Russia, and there's all these great volcanoes that are just incredible looking. Um, so there's a lot of places that are wonderful, but what I've really tried to do, and it's probably why I don't have pictures of specific places like my hometown in Colorado, Louisville, or or those places is because I kind of go to the window and let God show me what, show me the tour. And I've never been disappointed. Um, you could be flying over the Sahara and you'll see these bright reds and, you know, a mountain right next to sand or a sandstorm. And then you'll be in the Himalayas and you'll see these incredible mountains. Every time I look out the window, I'm just in awe at how beautiful the earth is. So my favorite place, earth. Oh, good answer. <laughs> All right. Well, your, your acrobatics are making a lot of people jealous, and we're actually getting a lot of questions about how to become an astronaut. So I want to switch gears real quick. So we've had a lot of news, a lot of stuff out there. We just hired a new group of astronauts uh, or new astronaut candidates that are going to be reporting soon. And one of my favorite things to talk to them about was when they got the call, when they got the call that they were going to come be an astronaut. But I don't know if you remember, but I was actually with you shortly after you got the call that you, were got, you had gotten assigned to a mission. So I have to ask, which one was more exciting? You're going to be an astronaut, or hey, it's time to go fly in space? Boy, that's tough. Probably <laughs> that you're going to be an astronaut. Um, not, not because you take it for granted that you'll fly, but it's just once you're an astronaut, uh, you got a real good chance that you're going to fly. Um, before that, and to become an astronaut, you know, when people ask, how do you become an astronaut? Well, I'll give you the advice that, that my dad gave me, you know, dare to dream. So only you can define your own dream to find your passion, the thing that really makes you go. Because once you find that, you're going to work hard at it. And that's what the dare part is. Nobody's going to give it to you. You've got to work really hard to make that passion and that dream a reality. But then there's one more part of it. And to become an astronaut, one of the biggest parts of it is just sheer luck, timing. And <laughs> I am just lucky. There are tons of people more qualified than me that are better than me in every single way. But maybe that round of interviews, they didn't apply or they weren't in the right place in their life. Uh, that they could apply. I just got lucky to be in the right place at the right time uh, and and be a part of an incredible group. So my advice for people who want to become an astronaut, find your passion so that you never work a day in your life. Work really hard at it. And then even if it doesn't work out because you weren't lucky at the right time to be selected as an astronaut, you're still doing what you love and you're making a big difference on this planet. Well, Jack, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I think like you're an extremely hard worker and your passion is definitely reflected. 
uh, and everything that you do, and especially us, we really enjoy watching you on orbit. Um, but you know, for for folks who want to become an astronaut, you can actually give them a sense of sort of what that feels like. And I know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of hard work and a lot of different things you have to learn, but there's also that element, uh, that human element of being in space, of living in space. So I have a question uh, just about: Do you feel? Do you ever feel? Isolated? Do you ever feel away from things, or are you sort of connected? And then I have another question from Facebook from Kay asking uh, if you have insomnia in space. They're two sort of related questions, not really, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know that feeling of being in space. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to flip mid question because that's really two questions. Yeah, so I'll do yeah. the first one quickly. The insomnia one. Some people have a hard time sleeping in space. I don't. My back usually kind of hurts on the ground because I've been flying fighters for too long. Uh, but up here, I feel great. So it's like sleeping on an airbed because, well, I'm floating on air. So that's <laughs> awesome. Okay, now I got to flip. Uh, isolated. You do feel a bit, not because there's not connectivity with the ground. Um, we can call via an internet protocol phone uh, as well as video chat sometimes. And then we're in constant communication with the ground uh, all throughout the day. As far as feeling isolated, sometimes you feel because everything you're doing is being watched. And I'm not talking about a podcast or posting on Twitter or any of those type of things. Everything we do as we're doing science and as we're doing activities is being watched by the control centers worldwide that are keeping this place running. And so you can kind of feel like, my gosh, because you're going to make mistakes. You can't go for six months doing, you know, 12 hours a day and not make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. And sometimes you feel like, man, everybody is seeing everything that I'm doing wrong, like you have a bad day. Uh, that's when I break into my emergency coffee store and, uh, and get another coffee pouch out so I can have some coffee and then things get better. <laughs> All right. We only got a couple of minutes left, so it's, it's time to get into some of the deep stuff, some Ooh. of the deep cuts here. So <laughs> you've been up there for a couple of months. Has just your perspective about everything, about life on Earth, about you know, life in general, about your job, about all that, has being in space changed that? Like, do you have the overview effect? Yeah. You know, you do, because you get to see the world in this totally different light, uh, this world without borders, you know, one shared experience for everybody, and the, the beauty and the just that thin blue line that, that is so frail that holds all life. You just, your perspective has to grow and adapt and change to that. But like I mentioned earlier, how quickly your brain adapts and grows, I think that perspective helps you grow as well. And that's why after this experience, um, yes, my perspective has changed, but it, it has really inspired me to try to get more people this experience and to get a permanent foothold in the stars for, for our species. I think we're on the verge of that. And with Orion and SLS, our, our new huge rocket, um, we're taking steps towards that, as well as a commercial industry, a burgeoning commercial industry that's building the infrastructure for us to press further into the galaxy. So I, I'm, my perspective change is that I want to do everything I possibly can to help the human species, humanity as a whole, 
go further and grow and evolve like I know they're capable of. Amazing. That's, it's just such an incredible perspective. I mean, just, I mean, looking down and, you know, just realizing kind of what we can accomplish, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. But I guess from there, do you ever, do you ever sort of miss Earth? Or uh, maybe even, I guess, here's a question from uh, Geraldine, you ever miss gravity? Oh, sometimes. The other day I was doing a, a task and and my wrench like pops off the bolt and it goes flying off. And I'm like, ah, oh, no big deal. It'll hit the wall, come back to me. And I look over and there's this gap above the rack and it's like, it's like an inch. And that wrench decided, oh, I'm going to turn. So I'm perfectly in line with that gap and it went floating inside <laughs> and then it was behind the rack. And lost forever. <laughs> Probably in like two years, somebody's going to be cleaning an air vent and go, oh, hey, look, a wrench. I wonder where that came from. So there are sometimes you really miss gravity. But about 99.9% .9 of the time, you don't. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, first off, I just want to say I fully support your new perspective because I want to go to space. So, Jack, do everything you can to get me up there. Um, I, so you're getting close to coming home. You're coming home at the beginning of September. Is there anything left on the list that you want to do while you're up there? Is there like a space bucket list before you come back? There is, and there's, it's such a huge list. You can kind of get overwhelmed by it. You know, I want a picture of this or that, or, you know, I, I, I made a list and I said, I'm not going to add anything else to it. So I'm almost through it. Uh, as far as the stuff I want to take pictures of or record or, or grab and, and, and then I'm going to take all my spare time and, and just go down and grab a window or whatever and sit there and soak it up and just enjoy it and, and, and take a mental image so that I can fuel that passion. And, and when I come back to try to talk to people and get them excited about space, it, it, there's, a, there's a big old well of, of passion inside me because I, I just sat there and, and plugged into the inspiration bar in the cupola. Uh, you look out, especially not just down at Earth, but out towards the stars, and it can't help but make you so excited that there's something else out there that we're going to go and explore, and, and uh, I can't wait. Wow. Just, Jack, this has been such an incredible few minutes uh, with you. Thank you so much for actually taking the time to talk with us and to answer some questions from Facebook Live and to, to spend this time with us. Honestly, this is one of the best experiences of my life. If I had to pin it into a phrase, and this is just off the top of my head, I'd pin it as something like a triple-decker, fully-loaded burger of awesome between two perfectly toasted awesome buns. Nailed it. Uh, that's, uh, Nailed it. that's just off the top of my head. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for spending this time with me, and, uh, and uh, best of luck to you on the rest of your mission. Well, thanks a lot. I'll try to say goodbye while I'm spinning. If I run into something, you can laugh. But thank you for letting me be a part of this, and I hope everybody that's in the, the podcast universe um, had a great time. Please, if you, if you get excited about space, NASA.com, we have so many resources, so many ways that you can get engaged, whether you're a teacher, a student, just a guy on the street. Uh, please check it out. So incredible. Station, this is Houston ACR. <laughs> that concludes the event. Thank you all participants with JSC PAO. We're now resuming operational comm.
All right. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> so we just talked to somebody in space. That was really cool. That was really cool, right? <laughs> How cool is that? Wow. Um, I just, I, I really just appreciate his energy. You know, the, the just the oh, life yeah. that he adds. It's not just like a conversation. This is what I'm doing. No, yeah. he's, he's, he's truly passionate about being in space and, and pressing forward on NASA's mission. It totally comes across on everything he, is. he does. It's just, it's still surreal. Cause I mean, we're, for everybody watching, you can see we're, we were looking at Jack on a TV. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he's five feet away from us, when right. in reality, he's probably on the other side of the planet right now, <laughs> flying around, like, and here we are talking to him. So I, it's it's so cool. Oh, and wow. way to nail that closing, way to nail the goodbye, Gary. I'm very uh, it was just off the top of just my head. Just the top of your head. <laughs> Awesome. Well, honestly, you can, uh, so, so everything, honestly, Jack is, is a really cool person to follow on yes. social media. If you ever go on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, which you should follow at Astro Two Fish. That's his, that's his handle, right? He shares all these different photos of what he's doing, all the experiments he's doing, uh, photos of earth. And he's, uh, he's just super engaged in the mission. You can see everything he's doing there. Uh, really an incredible thing to follow. If you just want to follow everything on the International Space Station, we have those two, at ISS, I think is, or yeah, at there's space a, underscore station. There's a whole bunch of different sites you can follow. As he said, it's nasa.gov for pretty much everything NASA's doing. If yeah. you're interested in the space station, it's nasa.gov slash ISS. We're all across social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Those names are all a little bit different, but <laughs> it's all related to the space station. And we always like to get questions on everything. So use hashtag AskNASA, and we'll get as to as many as we can. And since I don't want make, to make Gary do his own shameless plug, Houston, <laughs> we have a podcast. It's incredible. If you're ever wanting to go behind the scenes with the people that make human spaceflight happen, that's where you get it. You get the deep dives, you get the experts, you get the full thing, and I occasionally get to come in and do fun stuff like this. So It's true. It's, We've it's talked to some really cool people so far, you being uh, one of them, of course, Dan. I but was the also, guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> but we have talked to three astronauts so far. Uh, we have just, you know, Jack Fisher today, but also Randy Bresnik, who's up in space right now. And uh, we also got to talk to Shane Kimbrough like two days after he landed and he gave that whole experience. But then we talk about the science, we talk about space food. We got a lot more cool episodes coming up, so stay tuned. You can find all of those on iTunes, SoundCloud, and NASA.gov, like Dan said. So I think that's going to wrap up, unless there's any more questions. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of questions, but uh, we'll save those for, actually, you could tweet at Astro2Fish. He, uh, he might answer a couple of those <laughs> for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today for the first live recording of Houston. We have a podcast. Uh, that'll do it for us here and hope you uh, li keep listening to us in the future. If you have any suggestions of what we should put on the show, put it in the comments or use the hashtag AskNASA. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for sticking around. So uh, we already kind of plugged everything that we needed to plug. We talked about where you can follow Jack Fisher, where you can follow the International Space Station, ask questions, do all that kind of stuff. So the only thing I'll add is that this podcast was recorded on August 10th, 2017. Thanks to Alex Perryman, John Stoll, Tommy Gerzik, Paula Vargas, Charles Daniel, Greg Wiseman, Rob Navius, and of course, Dan Hewitt. And thanks again to Colonel Jack Fisher for coming on the show. We'll be back next week.